politics, sports, movies. You are listening to the Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. This is going to be episode 61. I'm going to be reviewing two movies tonight. Uh, Soul, the new Pixar film that's now currently streaming on Disney+. And One Night in Miami, the directorial debut of actress Regina King. That is streaming on Amazon Prime. So obviously, uh, with the COVID uh, pandemic going on, you know, these films that are streaming, we're getting more and more theatrical releases that are being moved to streaming platforms, which of course is a double-edged sword for me. Uh, I enjoy seeing movies in theaters, but it does uh, afford me the unique opportunity to uh, take a look at more films that I would normally be able to see. So obviously this is uh, 11 o'clock Eastern time, so this is a late live stream. So as I stated in episode 60, uh, if you listen to it or watch the video, I'm going to try to engage more with my audience for the podcast through live videos. So obviously, you know, this being late, one of the reasons the videos are uh, going to be mostly late at night is uh, obviously I have two small children, get them to bed, get kind of situated myself where I have time to sit down and record, which is kind of the same time I record a lot of my podcasts. Uh, but obviously, if anybody's a night owl, they can pop on here now on Facebook Live. Uh, I eventually are looking to, uh, as I grow the podcast and engage the audience, uh, try to stream on multiple platforms. I'm researching that right now so I can, you know, broadcast on Facebook Live, my YouTube channel, which I'm trying to grow as well, and then hopefully Twitter. Uh, so wherever you choose to watch the live video or the uh, video after it's recorded either way is fine uh, hopefully at some point you know even if I get a couple of people engaging on each live video that's fine if I don't get any that's that's not a problem I'll uh, still treat this like the audio podcast anyway and and use it so like I said this particular video if you don't watch it live now uh, you'll be able to watch the video either later on Facebook or on YouTube I'll get it up there as well and then the audio will be uh, uploaded to the podcast feed so you can continue to listen to the podcast uh, as you do now. Like I said, that's not going to change at all. I'm just looking to add another element to uh, the podcast. I know a lot of people do um, consume content via either live streaming or video. And since I've been doing a movie heavy podcast lately, I know my podcast talks about movie sports and politics. My last episode was sports, which I hadn't done in a while. And uh, this one is going to be movies again. And like I said, I'll get back into politics uh, at some point, obviously, the way the political situation has been the last few months. Um, I've taken kind of a welcome break from it, and I'm sure listeners are happy for a welcome break for a little while, but we'll definitely be getting back to it. I definitely have some thoughts on some things politically, but uh, we'll get to that at some point. But again, I'm using this element. Uh, I've been trying to figure out a way to incorporate the live video element into it. So instead of trying to uh, wait any longer, I'm going to try to make it work around what my schedule is. So like I said, a lot of these are going to be late night lives. Uh, sometimes I may be able to record in the afternoon, but that's probably going to be rare. So like I said, in my thoughts, if somebody's a night owl and they want to come on, comment on a movie I'm reviewing or have a talk or comment on anything here, that's fine. Like I said, if not, we'll, uh, this will still be the podcast as it's uh, in its current form. And uh, this is just another element. So if anybody is out there watching, I'm saying hi to everybody right now. So if you're checking it out, uh, let me know what you think and uh, we'll go from there. So uh, the podcast, obviously, is Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. The handle on Twitter is at Bend Your Ear Pod. The handle uh, is also at Bend Your Ear Pod at Instagram. And if you want to email the show, it's Bend Your Ear Podcast at gmail.com. 
Then, of course, the uh, Facebook page, if you could like it, if you listen to this video. Uh, I'm on my regular Facebook. Um, once I build up more people on my Let Me Bend Your Ear page, I'll do the live videos from that page. Uh, but if you can, like it. If you're watching this video now, it's uh, Let Me Bend Your Ear. And then the YouTube channel is Let Me Bend Your Ear Podcast. So you could like it. You know, If you could like both of those, that will be great. Or subscribe on YouTube. Like I said, this video will be uh, uploaded to YouTube. Uh, obviously, I'm not live on YouTube right now. I'm just live on Facebook. Like I said, hopefully eventually uh, in the coming months, I'll be able to live stream on multiple platforms. So you can, um, if you choose Facebook, if you choose Twitter or even Instagram, wherever you watch your live videos, uh, hopefully I'll make it available. So it's uh, going to be easy for you to find it whenever you want at the choice uh, on the platform that you choose. All right, so let's get right down to it. So I'm going to interview, um, review the new Pixar film, Soul. Uh, so this was one of the movies that was supposed to be released in theaters uh, by Pixar. So there were two movies that came out this year for Pixar. The first one was Onward, which came out early, came out earlier this year. I did not review it for the podcast. I did watch the movie. Um, I would recommend it. Onward's very good. It was actually better than I thought it was going to be. I actually enjoyed it. Uh, the story of of uh, two brothers that lose their father and kind of their relationship. And, uh, and like Pixar does, they do a great job with kind of emotional storytelling and making it funny and making it kind of uh good for both adults and children so i do recommend onward uh, i have like i said, didn't review for the podcast but i do recommend it but we're going to talk about soul uh soul was also supposed to come out in theaters in 2020 and it was released directly to disney plus so i was able to watch it uh about a week and a half ago so the film has the voice talents of jamie fox tina fey graham norton rachel house alice braga and felicia rashad among others uh, so the film is directed by Pete Doctor, who also directed the Pixar film Inside Out, which I have not seen, and I know it was critically acclaimed it's, as one of the better Pixar films. So that's a blind spot for me, so I'm going to uh, definitely have to check that out. Uh, I may review it for the podcast, but I've heard the movie's fantastic. I've seen clips of it, but I haven't seen it. So Pete Doctor um, directed this film and actually co-wrote the film uh, with, and actually co-wrote it and co-directed it with Kim Powers, which was an interesting uh, thing that I found out by accident. So when I review the next film, One Night in Miami, that film is actually based on a play written by Kent Powers. So he actually has something to do creatively with both movies I'm reviewing this evening, which I thought was interesting. Uh, so we'll get to that review a little later. So Soul tells the story of a jazz pianist who is a high school teacher, music teacher. So uh, he has... It's kind of kind of the story that you have where you have someone that grew up loving music and wanted to be a jazz a pianist to be an artist and obviously as you know uh, navigating the, the the field of musician or actor or anything in the entertainment field is is uh, pretty treacherous in the sense that there's a lot of rejection and and most people don't make it uh, because of the uh, the odds of getting to the top in, a, in that profession or even not even to the top getting to a point where you can make a living on it is pretty uh, pretty hard to do and pretty rare so the movie opens with uh with joe uh kind of you know unhappy with his lot in life he teaches he loves music uh but he's always wanted to be a musician uh you see at the beginning of the movie they set up his character the push and pull with his family uh his mother owns a alteration clothing shop uh that uh that and her mother and his mother is, is is trying to discourage him from chasing this musical dream. You know, he's he's not a young man anymore. Uh, she wants him to be stable. 
and uh, and um, you know that classic you know I understand you love music and music is great but music doesn't pay the bill so uh, Joe's mother is is voiced by the great Felicia Rashad so she's great in that role so by happenstance and by some good fortune one of his former students reaches out to him and lets him know that the quartet that he plays for uh, a famous jazz quartet is looking for uh, a pianist uh, at the last minute and it looks like he would have a chance to to maybe tour and and perform with this group so of course he jumps at the chance of that but he tries to do it in secret because obviously he doesn't want his mom to find out that he's still chasing this dream uh, but he's super excited uh, there's a funny sequence uh, going into in the beginning of the film where he's you know so excited and jazzed up he's running around New York uh, barely avoiding uh, mishaps that could uh, get him killed uh, about three or four different things that he just avoids by sheer luck and uh, if you've seen the trailer I'm not spoiling anything here so obviously early in the film uh, something happens to Joe and Joe ends up um, spirited away from the mortal world if you will he's uh, uh, gets into an accident that renders him unconscious uh, and he's his spirit or his soul goes to this place uh, it's not really, they kind of describe it, but it's, it's, it, that part of it's not important. What's important is he's kind of stuck in between earth and wherever you end up going, um, uh, after you die. So that's the bulk of the film. And what happens is he runs into someone up there, uh, named 22 voiced by Tina Fey, who's a, who's a soul that's kind of trying to find her way. So the cool part of this part of the film is they, they kind of show, uh, they create this world about how people come to being before they're born. So uh, there's different areas of this place where you get your temperament, your personality, who you're going to be, and then these these things come to Earth. So Joe obviously wants to get back to Earth in the worst way because on the day that he was about to maybe have his life change for the dream that he's always wanted, uh, he obviously this situ this accident happens to him and. He spends a lot of the early part of it trying to get back to Earth, get back to Earth. So he finds a way to do it with the help of 22. And unfortunately, it doesn't go the way he plans. He ends up in the body of a cat and 22 ends up in Joe's body. So obviously, there's some comical things that happen with that. Um, and obviously, the complications of, of trying to have 22 navigate his body while trying to make the audition and going through all these things are, are kind of what most of the film is about. And uh, so my, my thoughts on the film, I think it's a very good movie. Uh, I think uh, it's, uh, I think the second half of the movie is better than the first half of the movie. Uh, so not that the first half is bad, but I think um, it takes a little bit to get going. Uh, and when it does, uh, but when it does get going, it's really good. And then the second half of the movie to me is really strong, and that's that's where I, I would highly recommend it. It's worth it uh, to go through to the end of the movie. Like Pixar does so well, and they always do, they, they find a emotional um, tie to the characters, to the audience, to make you enjoy uh, the film. So one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when um, Joe discovers kind of the connection that he has to music and I don't want to give too much away, but it's it, there's a montage of all the moments in his life that uh, music has played a part in it. And as the as it goes through, you start to see 
uh, that music does play a huge part in his life, but there was some other, there was another element to it that anchors him and that he realizes what really was important to him and why that thing that was important to him manifested itself through music, which is uh, pretty beautiful how they do it and pretty moving. So I enjoyed that part of it. And uh, the performances are good. Jamie Foxx is fantastic. Tina Fey is always funny, uh, really good. Uh, the animation, of course, is beautiful. The, the, the instrumentation, the music is fantastic. So obviously you get great jazz music in there. Um, like I said, it's, it's, a, it's a top-notch uh, Pixar movie. You know, the question always gets asked, how does it rank with the, the all-time greats of, of Pixar? And since they've set such a high standard, uh, even something that's, you know, look, the, 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 the saying is even a okay Pixar movie is better than most other animated movies, and that's, that's definitely true. Uh, I think this is better than average. I think it's up there. Um, would I put it up there with uh, with the Toy Story threes or you know Wally or Up or or those moving films? Uh, I don't know if I put it that high, but I put it pretty high. And like I said, the two the combination of Onward and this movie, uh, what I do appreciate about these two films is they're kind of different uh, Pixar movies, and obviously much has been made about the the character lead being an african-american and, and it is significant that they're telling that story uh, a story that they haven't really told that much before uh, obviously they've, they've delved into uh, other uh, ethnicities with with moana and women with with brave and you know they've done it but yeah it's uh, it's kind of cool to see um, one about the african-american experience and through jazz which of course is the african-american uh led art form in the form of music in america so uh it's a cool way to do it like i said the music is wonderful uh the story is well told uh like i said uh, is it up there with them all-time classics of pixar I, I don't know if i put it that high but i i, I like the movie a lot liked it a lot uh so uh, definitely i would recommend you checking it out it's uh, on disney plus right now streaming again that's soul directed by pete doctor and uh co-directed co um by kemp so uh, out of five uh, Van Goghs, I'm going to go ahead and give uh, Soul uh, four Van Goghs out of five. Now, the next movie I'm going to talk about is One Night in Miami. Now, uh, if you're not familiar with this film, this film was directed by Regina King. Now, if that name is familiar to you, she is an actress who's been an actress since she was a child. I watched her when she was a little girl on this NBC series 227. So she's been around since the mid-80s acting. And uh, she, uh, this is her directorial debut of a film. She's directed a lot of television, but she's never directed a film before. So this uh, movie is, had an interesting premise. When I read about it, I was very excited to take a look at it. So basically, it's set in 1962, I believe, 62. It was the, in the aftermath of the Muhammad ali Sonny Liston fight, which occurred in Miami. So this is a fictional movie that was based on true events, the way I understand it. So I think... The, the actual story is in Miami on the night of that fight, there were four icons uh, of African-American uh, culture at the time. So you had, of course, Muhammad Ali, um, Malcolm X, the um, singer Sam Cooke, and the football player Jim Brown. So the movie tells the story of the four of them meeting up in Miami uh, after, or one to see the fight, and then hanging out in Miami in the aftermath of the fight. 
so let me start with the beginning of the film. So I love the setup of the four characters. So the movie opens with each character kind of getting their turn to kind of get set up and what's going on in their lives. So the way the movie is framed, at least for me when I when I watched it, it it appeared that all four of them converging at this point in time that the movie is set in uh, finds each character kind of at a crossroads uh, in their life. So let's start with uh, Muhammad Ali. So obviously at this point in his life, he's not known as Muhammad Ali. He's still going as his original name, Cassius Clay. So as he sets up for this fight, this fight with Sonny Liston was a was a was a huge deal. Sonny Liston was a was a tough champion, a brutal fighter, very intense. And you know Muhammad Ali was the the loudmouth, braggadocious, talented uh, fighter that we all know. So you know, not giving away anything. Obviously, he wins that fight, becomes the world champion, and in the background. He has a friendship with Malcolm X, as you know, is basically the leader of the Muslim temple, uh, Black Muslim temple in New York, and is a, I don't know, second in command, but very close to the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, who was the leader of that church uh, at the time. So two things are happening, and this is where two characters' uh, stories intersect. So from Muhammad Ali's perspective, or Cassius Clay's perspective, he's listening to uh, to Malcolm X uh, he is a uh, aware person he's making the decision this is at the time he's contemplating whether to publicly decide that he's going to become a Muslim so that obviously is an important time in his life obviously the ramifications of doing that and aligning himself with Malcolm X obviously can harm him professionally and and in some instances personally so he's he's wrestling with that decision he's He's committed to the religion, but obviously he he's smart enough to understand the ramifications of publicly uh, aligning himself with uh, the Muslim movement and more specifically with Malcolm X. Because obviously this is Malcolm X's, uh, at this point in the movie, Malcolm X hasn't made his uh, pilgrimage to Mecca yet. So he was still um, kind of delivering those firebrand speeches, the, the, the incendiary rhetoric that was scaring a lot of white America uh, as far as what his views were. Uh, on fighting for for African Americans, so that's going on now in Malcolm X's uh, life at this time. He's very conflicted as well because he's starting to realize that the Honorable Elijah Muhammad uh, has some personal issues that don't conform to the faith that he's given his life to, and this is at the time where he's thinking about breaking away from. Uh, the church to start his own branch of of Muslims and and that follow the teachings uh, more closely than he feels that the Honorable Elijah Muhammad has done. So he's having that battle within himself if he's going to be able to do that and get support. And he sees uh, Cassius Clay as someone that can help him do that. You know, you see in the movie, you know, he has great conversations with Betty Shabazz about uh, about are they going to be able to get him to come over. And I think even in, in, Malcolm X is conflicted about making sure that he still respects the friendship with Cassius Clay, that he legitimately wants Cassius Clay to want to come over. But of course, if he can come over as a high-profile African-American athlete, that would help his transition away from the Honorable Elijah Muhammad go a lot more smoothly and make it maybe more successful. But you can see that he's conflicted about that. And uh, I'm going to get back to, to the to the actor that plays Malcolm X in, in a moment because I think his performance in the movie is 
is phenomenal. I want to get into that because everyone knows the 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 definitive performance of Malcolm X is is Denzel Washington in Spike Lee's Malcolm X, uh, and it's I think it still is. But uh, the actor that portrays Malcolm X in this film does a fantastic job, uh, and I'll get back to him in a minute. So, in Jim Brown's life, there's a great scene early in the movie where he goes back home uh, to Alabama and visits a white. Uh, uh, affluent person that knew him growing up, knew Jim Brown's family, because uh, Jim Brown's family obviously came from a, a history of sharecroppers. Of course, he became the greatest running back in history with the Cleveland Browns. He still considered that up to this day. But Bo Bridges plays that uh, plays that white Southerner, and they're having this conversation, uh, you know, where where Bo Bridges is telling Jim Brown, look. You know, I know you've gone through a lot of stuff and, and, you know, I always have your back. You know that our families grew up together. You know, you've been a phenomenal person. And and the scene plays out beautifully uh, because you have this you have this feeling that, wow, OK, somebody recognizes him for who he is, even though he says he's talented. He says you're a good dude. And then the his daughter comes out and says, Hey, look, I need you to help me move a, a piece of furniture. So he goes in, Jim Brown follows behind him and, uh, he goes, Hey, I can, I can give you a hand with that. And, you know, Bo Bridges turns around, looks him dead in the eye with not even blinking and says, Oh, Hey, you're nice. I, I appreciate that. But you know, we don't allow N words in this house. So, you know, basically throws the worst racial slur at him after they just have this beautiful conversation and and it kind of it kind of and it shouldn't have but it kind of threw me in a good way though because it it makes it it was a really great scene to show how ingrained racism was back then and how people would engage in someone like Jim Brown because of his fantastic athletic ability and and would glom on to that athletic ability but at the end of the day there's still a black person in the South in the 60s, and they're basically less than. So great! it was a great scene, and kind of and Jim Brown was someone that, you know, obviously was an activist, and at the time, even in the 60s, was an activist too, and he was at a crossroads as well. His crossroads was his entry into the movies. You know, obviously he became an actor, and uh, this was coming at the tail end of his of his career. And the... Last gentleman that's profiled in the movie is the singer Sam Cooke. Now, Sam Cooke, I have to admit, I know who he is and I know some of his songs. I'm not a huge, uh, I don't know a lot about Sam Cooke. And uh, so seeing this movie was was a lot of enlightenment for me because I didn't know a lot about him. I know who he, who he was and beautiful voice and a beautiful singer. He just was one of not one of those soul singers that I've listened to a lot of his particular movie, uh, music. You know, I've listened to... You know, Smokey Robinson, The Temptations, The Four Tops, kind of the Motown um, uh, groups that came out or even some of the doo-wop groups that came out before then. But uh, I didn't know a lot about Sam Cooke. So Sam Cooke was riding a, a wave of success at this time as well. And one of the central conflicts in One Night in Miami is the the push of Malcolm X to Sam Cooke to stop making kind of the pop records, the poppy, you know, derivative stuff basically in Malcolm X's term that basically just makes white people happy and and he should be pushing to write more socially conscious songs and use his platform as a successful black singer to help bring about positive change in that community so 
uh, a lot of the tension in that movie, especially in the middle part of No Night Miami, is is that push and pull between uh, Malcolm X and uh, Sam Cooke, and kind of the conflict within Sam Cooke as well. Um, there's a great scene in the movie too, another great scene uh, where the uh, where uh, Malcolm X plays him a Bob Dylan record, and uh, and Sam Cooke is moved by the lyrics of the Bob Dylan song and how someone could make that type of song still be a beautiful song but still have a message so that kind of um that kind of stuck with him and uh as the movie points out and like i said i'm spoiling you know he had one of the great songs change is going to come uh which is a classic uh considered protest song uh that he wrote and performed uh beautifully with his beautiful voice so like I said, all four characters are kind of in uh, a pretty important stage of their life when the movie is set. So let me go back to uh, the actor that portrayed uh, Malcolm X, and I'm going to pull his name up real quick. Bear with me here, um, because I didn't hear this actor before this movie, but I want to kind of single him out. I know other critics have singled him out as well, uh, and after I saw the movie, I, I can see why. As I stated a little bit earlier, the definitive performance of Malcolm X uh, in film has been in the Spike Lee um, biopic of, of Malcolm X and it's a phenomenal performance and, and arguably Denzel Washington's greatest performance uh, which is saying a lot for all the great performances he's given uh, but the actor that plays Malcolm X in this movie is Kingsley Ben-Adir now I don't know him from anything else I believe he's from England but his performance as Malcolm X in this film is fantastic and I think what I loved about it, and that's why I think it's a good counterpoint to uh, Denzel Washington. So obviously the the Spike Lee biopic was a beginning to end, um, or as close to beginning to end biopic as you can get of Malcolm X. So obviously it starts with his youth and his criminal activity, and then it goes to his adulthood when he becomes a Muslim in prison. And then when he's released and he becomes uh, the head of the church in New York and becomes a confidant and, and second, you know, almost second in command to the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And Malcolm X's um, fiery speeches and his charisma and his belief in the cause makes him a celebrity. Um, and he's got fiery rhetoric uh, about whites and what they've done to, to black people throughout history and how the peaceful ways of Martin Luther King are not enough to get the job done. You know, of course, he has the famous phrase, by any means necessary. And then the last part of the film of Malcolm X by Spike Lee, because the thing that I loved, I read the autobiography of Spike Lee when I was in high school, or Spike Lee, excuse me, of Malcolm X when I was in high school. And what I loved about that, uh, that book by Alex Haley, which I recommend everybody read, it's most people in most people's lives if if you have a long enough life and a life filled with different things and you're one type of person some people get a conversion in their life whether it's a religious conversion or a political conversion or a personal conversion uh some people get one of those most people don't get any most people are who they are from the time they're little to the time they die some people get one major conversion in their life the unique story, the unique thing about Malcolm X's story is Malcolm X had two conversions. He had the first conversion from a criminal to a practicing Muslim, and then he had the second conversion after he made his pilgrimage to Mecca. 
and he realized when he went to Mecca what he saw and what Spike Lee's movie does a great job of showing is what he realized was people from all over the world were Muslims. From his prism in New York and when he became a Muslim, he just thought it's just black people and there's no other races that are involved and those are the strongest. But when he went to Mecca, he saw people from all over the world, all different colors, um, making that pilgrimage. And it moved him to have his second conversion. He comes back and his rhetoric changes. He's still for everything he was before, but he realizes that all people can work together to get the change that's been needed. And that's where he comes into more conflict with the Honorable Renaji Muhammad for other reasons. Then obviously we know ultimately, unfortunately, he was assassinated. So on One Night in Miami, what I liked about the performance uh, of the actor that plays him here, in contrast to Denzel Washington's performance, is it was a more, since it's more of a, a snapshot in time as opposed to an entire biopic, like Spike Lee's film and Regina King's film, you get a moment in his life and it can be focused. So his his performance is more, um, I don't want to say internal because you still, what I loved about his performance is it was it had a great balance of the passion and the, and the belief and the full belief that he had in what he was doing. And especially in the significant tension between him and Sam Cooke, where he's trying to push Sam Cooke to be more socially conscious or to be socially conscious at all and challenges him and tells him the reason that he challenges him because he knows that Sam Cooke has the most potential of the four of them, of Jim Brown, even Cassius Clay, um, and himself to affect that change because he's loved all around the country, all around the world for his beautiful singing. And Malcolm X sees that potential in him and where he gets fiery uh, and that performance is when he's trying to get Sam Cooke to buy in. And the more introspective parts of his performance are obviously the issues that he's having with his family being threatened. He's being followed because, like I said, this is the time where he's starting to consider the breakaway from the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. So he's got those internal pressures going on, trying to get Cassius Lay to convert publicly and hopefully help him break away as himself. So it's just that... Uh, that tension adds a lot to the movie. And again, um, Regina King making her directorial debut, very assured. I, I love the movie. I, I thought it was a great movie. It's getting critical acclaim. It will get Oscar nominations. I do believe uh, that the actor that plays Malcolm X will get nominated. I'm pretty sure, I'm almost as sure as that as I am sure that Delroy Lindo and Defy Bloods, the Spike Lee film that came out earlier this year, which I've reviewed on a previous episode, see that movie. You must go see that movie get it right now go to netflix watch it uh his performance is one of the best of the year he will be nominated i hope he wins i don't know if he will but his performance is is just fantastic and like i said all the actors in this movie do a great job uh in one night in miami like i said the 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 it evokes the 60s miami it evokes uh cassius clay and playing muhammad ali is, is a tough is a tough sell too and uh they everybody does a good job and i think it's a it's a good story it's a good reminder of where we were in that place in history and like i said i know it's not a true story i know it's based on true events and so obviously uh it's something that was um fabricated just kind of what would happen in, in that scenario but it's really easy to see how this could have played out that way so it almost feels like it's a true story it almost feels like it's something like that almost like a like a mini biopic of these four gentlemen at this point in time, at this point in history in America. 
So it's it's fantastic, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, it is one of the best movies of the year, uh, so I definitely would recommend it. It's playing now on Amazon Prime. Again, that's One Night in Miami, uh, directed by Regina King. So definitely check that out. Uh, on my um, scale of five Van Goghs, I'm going to go ahead and give One Night in Miami four and a half Van Goghs out of five. So again, uh, Soul, the Pixar film, uh, again, I highly recommend it as well. I'm giving that film four Van Goghs out of five. And then One Night in Miami, directed by Regina King, I'm giving four and a half Van Goghs out of five. So again, I'm going to continue to record lives uh, for the podcast. Like I said, this episode, if you're not watching it live now, you'll be able to see it later on Facebook, also on my YouTube channel. Uh, which is Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast, and then this will be downloaded to the audio podcast feed as well. So if you're listening to it that way, traditionally, uh, you can still listen to it that way. Like I said, I'm going to try to do these lives more often, um, trying to grow the show. That's always my objective, and I know live uh, presentations people like to watch. And even if you don't, like I said, it'll still be uh, available in the traditional ways it has been. Uh, so if you have any comments about my reviews tonight or any reviews I've done, uh, please uh, uh, put them on here. Or if you do it on the podcast feed, especially if you listen on Apple Podcasts or you're listening to this, please rate and review. Uh, it's very important, especially for a small podcast like this. Uh, the more ratings and reviews I get, uh, the higher the show will go in uh, search results that people are looking for new podcasts to listen to. Uh, so I definitely want to get uh, grow the, the show and have interaction with people, whether it's through live here or even after the fact when they listen to these here. So again... Uh, let me know what you think. Uh, let me know if you have any suggestions. The email is bendyourearpodcast at gmail.com. Again, you can follow on social media. Twitter handle is at bendyourearpod. That's also the handle for Instagram. Uh, if you want to email the show, again, bendyourearpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, the Facebook page, uh, Let Me Bend Your Ear. So if you could like the page as well, uh, I'll be doing lives uh, from the page. Once I get more people following there, I'm doing this, like I said, on my regular Facebook page. So if you're watching this, please go over to Let Me Bend Your Ear and like that one. And then uh, if you prefer YouTube, then subscribe to the YouTube channel. That's under Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. So again, uh, anybody that was up late tonight, I uh, hope you enjoyed this uh, particular live. And like I said, this will be on the podcast feed uh, shortly and also on YouTube. Thanks.